0: Welcome inside the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm Justin Quinn, here with Alex Gorda off the glass and camped about to buy a Celtics hub. We have a very different team than in Boston than we had even just two weeks ago. Here to survey who left, who stayed, and what might be happening soon. We're here to take stock of the Celtics roster as of Monday, November 30th, when we are recording. How are we feeling about this
1: roster? I'm feeling Intrigued.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think there's actually, when, when we lost Gordon Hayward for a minute, I was definitely very concerned, but I think that age has actually pivoted pretty nicely. And I'm now talking myself into a lot of players on this team.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I will not uh, deny that I may have overreacted a little bit, even though I kept my mouth shut publicly because I figured there was going to be more coming, um, in our group chat, I was pretty down for at least, at least immediately when we really thought he was going to walk for nothing. But that didn't turn out to be the case. Um, lots of other things have happened since then. Um, maybe we should kind of go over them uh, piece by piece. Maybe start with some of the... You know, let's let's do chronological. Um, with Vinnie Parier, uh leaving and providing us a $2.6 million
2: um, if I have any sex pants. Yeah, me, <laughs> <fantasy. Harvey Nui.
0: laughs> How do we feel about this deal? I mean, was it was it worth passing on a Desmond Bain? Should we have found another way to do this? I mean,
2: what do you feel? Uh, I would have loved to have Desmond Bain on this team. I've just I was really into him going into the draft, and uh, I have I have love for the guy because I went to the college where he came up in high school, like in the same town. So. Um, I thought Bain was going to be good, but that being said, Poirier was definitely dead weight uh, by the end of last season. I I am str- very skeptical that he has a long-term
1: NBA future, so eh, Yeah, I was. <clears throat> I remember there being a, a report that uh, Monsieur Sexpants was done with Boston anyways, so a small... $2.6 million TPE that was generated is probably not the TPE we're going to spend most of our time talking about, but that's, that's not nothing. Yeah.
0: All right. Besides that, we had Enos Cantor. Uh, he is back in Portland, which I think is a great landing spot for him. He'll actually get some serious playing time on a more regular basis. the drop coverage works a lot better for him. 5 million TPE also generated from that could be particularly useful Uh We could talk about that one also another time, uh, just because, you know, it's not so interesting is the reason we really want to be talking about TPEs. We'll get to that in a second. Then there was the draft, Nesmith, Pritchard, Madar. We talked about that. Um, Anything else that we've learned about them that maybe we want to discuss since they've been speaking to the media, uh, since we've learned a little bit more about them?
2: Uh, I got two things for you here, Justin. First one is that my boy, Aaron Nesmith, Vandy basketball pride says that his foot is ready to go. Um, I was initially a little skeptical just because I didn't know much about that foot injury, but upon watching a lot of his footage, I am now all aboard the Nesmith train. I think he's going to be a great fit and I love shooting. So that makes me very excited. And then uh, with Peyton Pritchard, you know, I don't know what the future holds for Peyton Pritchard. Maybe he is good. Maybe he is not. But regardless, I think he is going to be a much beloved figure on the Celtics. And I can fully envision a scenario where Peyton Pritchard scores 16 points in a meaningless February regular season game and instantly becomes a hero for the entire city of Boston. So,
1: Yeah, I think I have this right. I believe his old Twitter handle was Fast PP. Oh, yeah, Richard, and um, that's gonna stick, so yeah, yes, Alex, right? Is. He's, he's one uh hot f- third quarter away from just being another one of the, the Celtics fan favorites. With which I know this is out of order, but speaking of fan favorites, I'm so pumped that Evan Turner is returning yes. to Boston. As yes. Well yes. As well. Yeah,
0: that is totally fine with me. That is brilliant because in my mind the biggest thing you get from an Evan Turner signing besides the post game quotes mm-hmm. uh, is his veteran leadership. And now you get it without a roster spot being taken up.
1: Yep. Yeah, well said. So yeah, probably that's all that needs to be said about that, but it happens. Um, to- I, I,
2: I do think that, you know, one thing to keep in mind with Evan Turner is that Evan Turner is universally respected as the quote God and <laughs> Boston's post game interviews are going to get a lot better. And I also think that, um, you know, that will have an infectious effect on the rest of the locker room. I fully expect that a number of this team's roster will be ready to give great sideline interviews going forward.
0: <laughs> so besides that, Hayward opted out. Almost that signed and traded to Indiana. Um, there was a roadblock. What do you guys think about that roadblock? I'm pretty sure I know what Cam thinks about that roadblock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of Danny Ainge for <laughs> his resolve and his vision um, because Miles Turner to the tune of $18 million is just a disaster. So
0: it's not a bad contract, uh, but it's not a great contract. And for what you can get, I mean, we, we get almost as good of a player already on the roster in, in, in uh, Daniel Tice.
1: Yeah, have that much money to be your fourth option on offense and how that option. Likes to play offense just made no sense. I'm very happy that that is behind us.
2: Uh, if I wanted a dude who Bam Matabio was going to stuff in the basket, I would have just gotten Harry Giles on the minimum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, at least Harry Giles is <laughs> his buddy. I mean, there's real off the court fit there. That's very well said.
0: So it has been Charlotte. We did not have to pay him $120 million over four years, which to me is a clear win. Um, any complaints about, about not matching that deal or how it panned out?
1: It's interesting to me that it's not front-loaded. I would think that Charlotte with LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges and some other players would try to stagger the payment structure such that it still adds up to one hundred twenty, but it starts with a higher number, and that would have helped Boston – I mean, it's already their traded player exception, which we can uh, talk about, is already the largest in league history. But the way that that deal is structured is very bizarre. Um, but as Alex knows, because I insisted on putting in, this, in one of his articles, that Air Jordan now employs Hair Gordon makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was not and, tr- sorry.
1: <laughs>
2: hey, you know, listen, man, God bless Gordon Hayward, dude who's played, you know, Roughly a season and a half over the past four years and was good for about 12% of it, just secured a $120 million contract. God bless
0: you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> go
2: with God,
1: young Gordon. <laughs> You're he's not an athlete, he's an anti athlete. It's not even like insider trading. Man, the
2: MJ might have had one too many cognacs when he made that call. <laughs>
0: 39 million dollars effectively or something in that general neighborhood when you when you count in the fact that they had to to waive Nick Batum to make the contract fit and then they didn't necessarily but they did any anyway I mean they could have found a way to send some salary back to us and you know maybe not charge us anything uh, in terms of draft picks or whatever but we're sending them two of our draft picks for the honor of the TPE
2: um
1: what I'm so is, happy that this is not Hornets Lab the podcast. <laughs> oh lord, ever talk about this again.
2: <laughs> oh lord. Yeah. I mean, but if if we could just turn into Hornets Lab for one second. Okay. What on earth is that team going to be like with LaMelo, Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward? all needing the ball at the same time. Trading. I'm sorry, we're getting way <laughs> off topic, but man, that's going to be something to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, honestly, for a minute, I actually thought that Terry Rozier was going to be heading back in a very awkward reunion to Boston because we all saw that video of him packing his bags and muttering about getting sent someplace and leaving his house, which I guess was not necessarily, or at least isn't yet, related to any kind of trades going on. But... That, that kind of gets back to you know the fact that he's probably making too much well no, maybe maybe just about the right amount to fit into the 28.5 million traded player exception but maybe we should kind of discuss what it is in the first place
1: well said uh, I can take the reins on that uh, if you were to head if you're a you know not an auditory learner and you want to see it written you can head over to Celtics when you're done with this uh, for all of your TPE needs. But basically what has happened is it's like a trade token or a trade credit that has been created for the Celtics to the tune of $28.5 million. And the way TPEs work is there's actually a $100,000 wiggle room. So it's technically $28.6 million. And uh, it's usually good for a full 52-week period. But in this case, because of COVID, it will extend into the twenty one draft in the 21 offseason, but so it won't be a full calendar year, but it will extend to the next league year. Basically what it means is it allows the Celtics to take on salary uh, beyond what they send out um, because usually you have to match, especially if you like the Celtics are already over the salary cap. Um, Unfortunately for the Celtics, because they signed Tristan Thompson to his new contract and the other signings that they have, they're a hard cap team. And so they only have a certain amount of money that they're actually allowed to add to their roster um, during the 2021 league year. So we were just saying that we believe that number is going to land between 19 and 22 million dollars, depending on what happens with green and a few other contracts that we still don't know the nature of.
0: Yeah, they can, uh, they can aggregate, for example, say, Green and Carson Edwards and make even more space, but they can't get too much more than about 22, 23, maybe at the very, very most if they were very creative.
2: Exactly. I mean, you know, that being said, I think we do have to give Danny Ainge some plaudits here. This is the largest trade exception in the history of the NBA, which is pretty wild. All of that for the privilege of paying Gordon Hayward roughly 30 million, $39 million per year. It's uh, <laughs> Unprecedented, but
1: I will take it. And uh, it can again be used in full next draft or off season, so the whole twenty eight point five million would be available to uh, Danny Ainge. And for anyone who is looking to feel frustrated, the twenty eight point five plus the one hundred thousand dollar wiggle room uh, puts the Celtics just about one hundred thousand dollars short of Bradley Beal's contract. So. <laughs> not be used to sign bradley biel uh but how's this for a segue there are plenty of other players in the league that could fit into the gordon hayward tpe beautiful
0: so who would be we be interested because as you were saying we can't use you know the the big muckety muck number uh to pull in like a full Well, not a full you can do a full tier one max you can do a full tier two max i don't think but you could you could get at least like a younger max guy or somebody who you know took like a team friendly deal in the neighborhood of a max with this kind of money, um, but you can't necessarily get those those real big money guys uh, because of the, the Tristan Thompson signing. So, what are our needs? You know, for me, I, I think wing depth is clearly important, but I'm also kind of trying to see uh, who maybe could at least this season rest Kemba's legs? Or even better, be a potential long-term replacement, which we would probably have to pay through the nose to get. But I mean, what better opportunity are we going to have?
2: Um, you know, I think that is a good point, And I think that both of those are definitely areas of need, Justin. Obviously, one thing to keep in mind is that the TPE um, can be broken up into multiple contracts. But Given the players that are available on the market, if we were to go that route, I strongly doubt that either of the players we acquire, if we end up taking uh, a shot at both of those needs, would be long-term fits, substantial long-term fits. So uh, I would lean personally towards using the bulk of it in one of those two areas rather than trying to spread out and address both Uh, I think, you know, maybe this is just me, but I was really high on Grant Williams' play in the bubble, and I think that he is going to have a much bigger role on this team going forward. So maybe if you're banking on Grant developing and Nesmith's shot being a thing, maybe the wing depth problem isn't quite as bad, Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe then you look for a long-term replacement for Kemba. But I think either way, I, I think looking long-term is a smarter play here for sure. So let's use uh, Brad Stevens' kind of
0: positional uh, understanding more so than necessarily traditional positions of, of just ball handlers, wings, swings, and bigs. And this kind of hierarchy, who interests you? Who do you think might be a good fit?
1: So I kind of have a different slant than Alex. I mean, I think part of me thinks the financial situation with the Celtics gets murky really quickly and getting a young player to grow alongside uh, Jason and Jalen and and Marcus and the others. They're going to have to be creative to do that one way or the other. And This might be that creative window. But then I also think about the landscape of the East and I do wonder if... Boston's championship window in this moment, thinking about Kemba Walker and thinking about some of the other parts on the team, there's going to be like two chapters to that, and they'll have to do a, an honest reload. And so, going all in now with uh, calling in the cavalry, you, perhaps splitting up the TPE might make sense. Um, so, all of that said, I think probably, uh, Justin, you're right that wing depth is, uh, especially with. Uh, Brad Stevens' positionless system is really helpful. I'm also curious about Kemba Walker's knees and his defense and Jeff Teague's defense. Uh, so I wouldn't hate adding, uh, even if it's... Okay, so, so I really want them to get Patty Mills. and He's undersized. I don't know what he still has uh, defensively. I think he's on, a, on the last year of a $13 million contract. Um, so it could work. It doesn't really help the team build... That's someone who knows how to win championships. That's someone who uh, could run with Marcus Smart in terms of getting dirty and doing all of the the little things. He is not a a linebacker like Marcus Smart. He's more of a point guard, but he can play off ball too. So uh, selfishly, I'm going to tell you that the biggest need that the Celtics have is that they don't currently have Patty Mills on their roster. Well,
2: Uh, can if you're going to go with that route could i interest you instead of patty mills in george hill who might be a little bit more substantial on the defensive end and while he's not the lights out shooter that patty is in his prime he is when he plays the celtics he is when he plays the celtics and i think that george hill has still got a little bit left in the tank he was quietly not bad for the bucks last year and uh, i think he could be a decent stabilizing vet he can handle the ball he can make decent setup passes uh he'll hit an open three and he won't get absolutely crushed on the defensive end in the way that patty would and i think my my i do like patty mills i think he's had a great run uh my issue is if you're bringing in patty mills to be Kemble walker's backup are you really solving the problem that you already have with Kemba getting exploited on the defensive end over and over again? I'm not so sure. Yeah. I I refuse to
1: answer that question. (laughs) You get some
0: availability, which is an important
1: ability. Yeah. It's the best ability there is. Um, Justin, do you have a win now point guard? Um,
0: If I, okay. So I have, I have two guys from the point guard uh, supply that I been looking at and one of them is a big if but a realistic if at the trade deadline and the other one is probably also more of a trade deadline move but still this is the expensive one that i was talking about that i was alluding to the expensive option would be uh Dehonte murray of the spurs And I say expensive because he's young enough that even though he doesn't really fit their timeline, thus being pry awayable potentially, they know that it's going to be worth it uh, for a team that is trying to add some depth to pay for that. So I think that's going to end up costing us at least a good first rounder and possibly, we don't really have one, um, in our case, what's likely going to be either late, late firsts or a distant first rounder, which isn't so interesting to a rebuilding team, I think it's going to be very, very costly. The other option, and this is not happening unless the Brooklyn Nets decide they need to trade for a a player that is going to, you know, put them into the stratosphere as as far as being a contender is concerned, and that would be Spencer Dinwiddie. The only way that's going to an Atlantic Division competitor is if they need space to make a deal happen because we mm-hmm. have it, and really the only, other, the only other teams out there that right now I think are, are the Knicks that can do something like this realistically as a third team.
1: And they'll do anything. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's worth pausing and, and re- revisiting what we were talking about off air, which is the problem with the TPE is you're at the mercy of other teams' needs. Yeah. And we have established uh, the Spurs, the Magic, and maybe the Bulls as teams with players in the right, uh range in terms of contract and who might be looking for future assets one of the celtics first or second year players or a future draft pick um because otherwise finding reason for teams to jettison players that otherwise would fit into the tpe doesn't realistically make sense and then with that said let's ignore that entirely in window shop because that's more fun
0: oh totally
2: I agree. And uh, one more name, sorry, just to step on your toes for a second there, Justin, one more name to keep an eye on, a kind of sleeper on this list that I think actually could be a pretty decent backup ball handler and is relatively cheap. Daylon Wright, not a bad option, actually did a pretty decent job in Dallas as a backup last year. I think he could be kind of frisky on this team
0: it's not expiring either too. So you, you keep that as an aggregatable salary in the future too. If you, if you want a little bit more
1: I like that. I liked uh, while we're closing out the point guard uh, portion of the programming, I really like Thomas Sadoransky. It's not flashy, but it's solid. Um, Big two, which we like. I, yeah. I want Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be flashy. I don't necessarily need the point guard to be flashy. So if his knees work and he plays defense, Alex, to your point, as well or better than Kevon Walker, that works for me. So wings. Oh, yes. Who are we
0: looking at for
1: wings? What would you do? Well, Justin, first of all, you have a very liberal definition of the word wing, as yes. does Brad Stevens, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's my totally idea. fair. Yes. Um, I think that Uh, JJ Redick or an Evan Fournier type uh, makes sense for a win now move Uh, a because they've been around the block they're pretty solid Uh, Fournier is much less reliable than JJ Redick but uh, he's still a pretty good shooter he's not he's probably overrated as a shooter but he has it in him and my stance continues to be that the Celtics uh, choked a few times in the fourth quarter and the Eastern Conference Finals and that was the difference between a a trip to the championship round or not. So, uh, some shooting off the bench and some resilience, uh, goes a long way. Uh, and I can also, uh, it's not as obvious, but I can talk myself into the Pelicans looking to trade, uh, JJ Redick if the price is right. So, uh, he is in the final year of his contract. We have that correct.
0: Um, no, he, I believe he still has a year after this.
1: I'm oh, fantastic. Sure. Then, uh, team-controlled contract to move later in life. Um, So yeah, then I'm definitely picking JJ Reddick as my first uh, want in my wing category.
2: This one, I mean, there are a sneaky amount of dudes that I think could be had here, depending on how much we're willing to give up. Um, One name that I would love to at least take a flyer on, I'm not sure if he's ever going to meet his potential, but uh, I think at his best, he can be a, still a pretty quality NBA player Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would be a lot of moving parts to make that happen. I think that the Bulls value him pretty highly, and they definitely want more in return than just like, you know, a couple of firsts. But if you can pull that off, that's a very intriguing core of Brown, Tatum, and Levine. Super athletic, lots of shooting, and I think would be a hard time for a lot of opposing teams to deal with.
0: Guys, to both of the people that I was looking at, I guess off the top of my head, uh, Lou Williams, is someone whose name I've been hearing, as uh, potentially being on the market. I'm not really sure how open they are, of, of, you know, to, for dealing him. Um, the fact that he was kind of one of the bigger scandals of the bubble. Also, gives me a bit of pause um, visiting Gentleman's Club when he was away from the bubble.
1: No, that's well, Wings. Yeah, of course.
0: Sure. Totally just wings.
2: Listen, lemon pepper wings are really good, guys.
0: Vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. No excuse to be. But I mean, at $8 million a year, you're not going to get better scoring than that off a of bench with who's actually comfortable coming off a of bench. Um, and, you know, I've heard some things about Terrence Ross. Um, I'm not super crazy about him, but I mean, shooting is always good. I'm not gonna complain about shooting. And, you know, he has future money, so you can, again, aggregate him into a deal without you know being viewed as too negative of a deal if it is viewed as a negative deal. Norman Powell is another guy who's kind of in that, that frame. But, you know, surprise, surprise, there are not a lot of affordable wings. They are all either pretty expensive if they're worth having or not that great.
2: Uh, I would just make a plug for if you want the most league average player in the history of the NBA, a guy who will give you just some output and not much more than that. Wait, Tony can I Sne- guess to your.
1: Oh. Tony Snell. Sorry, I spoiled it. That's very true. Well, I was going (laughs) to guess Rudy Gay, which is where I was going to go next. Oh, I love Rudy Gay. I'm a Rudy Gay truther. (laughs) Okay, cool. Check this out. Do not trade for Zach Levine at all. Maybe trade for Rudy Gay. Uh, Because, yeah, Tony Snell, consistent, average, probably gettable. Uh, Rudy Gay is like seven years down the line version of that.
2: If we got Rudy Gay and then subsequently won the title with Rudy Gay on the roster, that would fulfill a lot of Alex's 2K11 dreams from his (laughs) teenage years.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I like the idea of Rudy K. The expiring aspect of his deal is kind of a problem. He's he's getting paid 14 million this season and has nothing past this season, which you probably, arguably, don't necessarily want. But I mean, even like another year after that would be nice at a lower rate. You know, it's just like five or six or seven million guaranteed, kind of among swings. The kind of guy who that is like uh, that I mentioned today in a piece on exactly this topic would be the Bulls' Tad Young um, oh. because he's getting paid $13.5 million this season, but he's only guaranteed for six next. And so that, that gives you a little bit of flexibility, particularly if you still kind of want to retain a little bit of value, but also drop um, some if you use the rest of the TPE for other potential uh, trades. Aaron Gordon is the one that everybody always seems to talk about from this category of players. And I definitely do see the fit. The defense is gonna be kind of an issue and the shooting is also kind of an issue. I mean, who do you kind of I mean, I guess you can use him as a small ball five, that kind of solves that problem at least, but kind of a tough fit.
1: Yeah, I have yeah. a question. Um we we don't have uh we don't have Danny Green on this list. He's technically achievable or no, you would have to wait. No, you could you could trade. for him. Kind of you doubt Trade it. someone
0: immediately. I just think that since he's been moved again already, that I didn't put him down because I assumed that he's wanted where he is now. So
2: yeah, I kind of think Philly actually wants Danny Green on their roster. Oh right, right. So I I, I, place I would where he ended up. I would be surprised if they let go of him. You know, I I think that's another thing to keep in mind. To. Uh, shout out John Corrales for this one is that we really do have to keep in mind what these teams are even willing to give up. Uh, Like a lot of these players are teams that are on teams that like them and like their contribution and probably wouldn't want to give them up just for dead money. You know, like I look at Joe Ingles, for example, Joe Ingles would be a great fit on the Celtics roster. I would love to have him here, but I don't see a scenario where Utah just tosses him for spare parts. And I think that that, Yeah. I think that's also probably true of John Collins as well. So I wasn't going to – I put Collins in here. To me,
0: I feel like if Collins does end up a Celtic, he's going to end up getting wedged into that 5 million TPE when he starts, like, getting angry about his playing time sometime in the middle of the season. I I very much don't think that he – I would love to see how he fits on the Celtics. I just don't see how it's going to happen, given that he, he clearly wants, like, some a contract in the twenty millions dollars low end but still like above 20 million and that's just not going to fly on the Celtics roster particularly with his skill set
1: yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't think so and it, he wants the world in the in the coming summer it's just not gonna happen
0: yeah have fun good luck us
1: <laughs> um but to that end another guy kind of in that mold
0: but maybe a little bit more attainable we would have to pay him, but I think um, he's not going to get that much based on unless he has a, a you know a stellar season uh, after changing you know at least coach and possibly um, team. Be Larry Markkinen. He is not really worked out in Chicago, and I was very excited about his shooting coming into the league. He looked kind of all right at first, and then it seemed like that situation that he was in in Chicago sucked the life out of him. So for me, I think that that is someone that maybe could use a change of scenery and because of question marks surrounding him is at least plausibly able to be paid fairly within the Celtics' ability to pay a prospect in the future. But I I was kind of wanting to get your guys' opinions on him as as a potential fit. I
1: love that. I'm kind of under the impression he'll have a real market. And as we've established, at least with the TPE, the package that the Celtics in isolation could come up with probably Chicago could find someone to beat that just because, I mean, he does exactly what a contender would want to add, um, not just down the stretch, but to have in their back pocket. If uh, Justin, you're right, that he becomes affordable enough. So That's another really interesting wrinkle here is like what happens to the Nets is going to reverberate throughout the league, especially if they land James Harden, for example.
0: Yeah, it's a scenario I was thinking of for the Dinwiddie
2: trade.
1: Right. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, not only will that potentially throw uh, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and others out into the league and then bounce pieces around, but it will also inform Ainge's calculus for this season because if he thinks the Nets become... Just like this unstoppable force, then you probably, if you use the TPE in season, you use it future facing, not win all like uh, we might be establishing right now. So, man, I do we think James Harden's going to the Nets? No, right? I doubt it. Just not this season.
0: Yeah, they don't have any reason to trade him to a team that isn't going to give them the best possible return, and they are not going unless they give him Kyrie or. Maybe KD. I don't see them beating.
1: The irony of Kyrie is so rich and wonderful. I can almost taste it. I
2: think that um, Houston is probably holding out hope that at some point Ben Simmons will be more available than he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's I think the plan here. Um, with regard to Lowry, you know, I think he's had an interesting career. I definitely have seen flashes in his game that makes me think he could be a pretty good player. I am really worried about uh, the amount of of games that he's missed already in his young career. And I am not necessarily thrilled about the idea of using a large chunk of the TPE on a dude who is potentially not going to be on the court all that much. So I'm not quite as high on Lowry, I think as you guys, Um, I will say, I do think that Chicago is higher on Lowry than I am. I kind of think, you know, even though he has, definitely not had the best time there and it seems like he really clashed with Jim Boylan which basically (laughs) everybody's Jim Boylan but you know it seems like while he might not have had the best time there Chicago still values him pretty highly as a young player who can who they can build their team around so I would be surprised if they uh, give him up for whatever package of Carson Edwards and Semi Ojele Danny Ainge tries to assemble here.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would imagine you'd have to at least include a first round pick in that, but yeah. yeah. Bigs, any bigs? I did not see more than one realistic candidate um, relative to a team you were just speaking about. Any bigs out there?
2: Uh, I think I know who you're talking about, Justin. My man, PJ Tucker.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh my favorite players in the nba has been for some time i love that pj can hit a three i love that pj can take on the opposing team's best offensive player and not back down from that Uh, i think he's a proven winner great locker room guy could be an incredible mentor to grant williams happy birthday grant shout out to grant Mm -hmm. um uh, i think he could be an incredible mentor to grant williams and uh the most important factor perhaps perhaps pj tucker does not want to be on the houston rockets anymore (laughs) Based on everything that i have heard out of houston it sounds to me that pj is ready to move on and at this stage in his career i would be shocked if he doesn't want to go to a team that is trying to win the title i think it would be a great fit and a really fun guy to have on this team
1: yeah it makes me a little weak in the knees to think about pj tucker on the celtics Tristan Thompson is such an interesting addition. I have really talked myself into how awesome that could be for the Celtics. um, Least of which, because he's second in the league in offensive rebounding and eighth in NBA history. And the Celtics kind of by design are not great on the offensive glass or, or haven't been in the past few seasons. And that is not necessarily something that we'll maintain. That's something that Brad Stevens could lean into. Um, but I think Tristan Thompson can also uh, hold his own on the defensive glass as well. So between Tice, who we were, I was bemoaning Miles Turner not too long ago. Um, and I think Tice at 5 million is a much better asset than Miles Turner, at 18 Tristan Thompson on the MLE uh, same thing. And then we got to figure out what's going on with Robert Williams. So, I'm so interested in what the Celtics front court rotation looks like. Grant Williams and Marcus Smart included, I suppose, that other than P.J. Tucker, because everyone should want P.J. Tucker on their favorite basketball team. Uh, I don't know that I see the Celtics gearing up for more front court depth because it seems like the Thompson signing was was pretty awesome in that regard. Uh, unless they really want to go five wide and go get like Kelly Olenek or something. All I'll say about that is that if you put
2: a lineup of Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, P.J. Tucker, Tristan Thompson, and Jalen Brown on the floor, that team is not going to get scored on very much.
0: <laughs> I think we're all on the same page in terms of potential signings and range of this, but how are we feeling about those um, signings of Tristan Thompson and more specifically, since we haven't really talked about him at all, uh, Jeff Teague.
2: Jeff Teague is my dude. I like Jeff Teague. (laughs) Um, I I think he's a cool player. He's been fun to watch for a while. Um, I think his best days are certainly very much behind him. I am not sure that Jeff Teague can play a whole lot of minutes a game at this point in his career, uh, the, the stopover in Minnesota was pretty depressing to watch but everyone's um, stopover in Minnesota is depressing that's totally understandable but you know I, I, I like Jeff Teague the guy and I really hope he succeeds uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Peyton Pritchard or Tremont Waters will be sneaking up behind him and trying to take a spot in the rotation by midseason good problem
1: to have Jeff Teague has one of the league's funnest mustaches uh, and he's had consistently has supported that really great mustache. So I'm pretty into that. I, I want the Celtics uh, offensively to be pretty fluid and push the pace with Kemba. So I have this conspiracy that Kemba Walker is very healthy and the reason that he is going to be on a restriction is specifically mm. so that uh, young players have to play more minutes and, mm. Uh, the Celtics boost their trade value because uh, in this neighborhood, we love Carson Edwards and we love uh, fast PP and we love some of the Celtics young players, but uh, until they get meaningful minutes, which is hard to do in a Brad Stevens system for young players, other teams might not be convinced. So my uh, galaxy brain conspiracy theory is that Kimball Walker's knees are the healthiest knees in all the land, but, uh, they have some draft cap or some trade capital they'd like to build up.
2: Uh, I would very much like to live in the world that you are living in. And I <laughs> hope that that is the case. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, th- I think the young players that the Celtics have, you know, up to this point, they haven't exactly wowed me. I do think that Tremont Waters was very good in the G league last year, but you know, it's once in a blue moon that that dude translates into being a playable NBA player. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I think the backup guard situation for now is probably fine. I think long-term we, we do need to start looking into better options, but we'll see. With regard to the other signing though, you know, uh, I really like Tristan Thompson. I've had, uh, I've, I've liked Tristan Thompson for a couple of years now and wanted the Celtics to acquire him mm-hmm. as a trade deadline target last year. Uh, you know, he's not, Tristan Thompson is not going to light your world on fire. But he will do the dirty work. He gets rebounds. He crashes the glass. He's a really decent shot blocker. Uh, He's a pretty serious vertical threat still. Uh, He's got decent rim gravity. I think he's also underrated as a passer. And I think with a little time uh, in a Brad Stevens system, he could end up being a pretty decent floor spacer. Uh, The issue is, of course, that uh, Tristan Thompson's shot is not that real. Uh, Mm -hmm. He shot, of course, uh, 39% from deep last year. that was inflated by the fact that he took something like eight three-pointers and, or made eight and took like not much more than that. Um, His shot form doesn't look terrific. That being said, I think the Celtics big front court is, it's versatile enough and there's enough people who can make up for that skill that getting Tristan Thompson uh, at a $19 million deal is a pretty darn good signing for what we were looking for.
0: Do you see any taco this year? Uh,
1: Maybe. I mean, it wouldn't make sense. Again, Robert Williams is an asset of some consequence, either for the team or for trade. And at a certain point, he needs to get touches and show either, again, this team or another team what he can do. So there will be taco time and blowouts in the Celtics favor or not, but no offense to taco. I kind of hope that uh, the Celtics don't choose to play him all that much. I agree with everything, Alex, you just said. I do wonder uh Ennis Cantor not only was a good rebounder, but there were times where his post offense was really all the Celtics second unit had. Uh, I don't see Tristan Thompson. First of all, I don't know if he'll be part of the second unit or not, but, uh, the Celtics do lose something in the bench's ability to go and uh, manifest its own offense uh, in Cantor rejoining Portland. Not, I don't know if that's a huge factor, but that is something that I have uh, wondered. It's proven Um, offense. We have, we have
0: theoretical offense joining the team and the rookies, you know, and theoretical that maybe T can still shoot it, but until we actually see it, it's a big question mark. Definitely. Um, we have not spoken about the biggest elephant in the room. Uh, it involves a faceplant or two.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, I was publicly asking for Glenn Davis to come in and avenge poor Nate Robinson after his defeat on the canvas the other night. Uh, That was just kind of tough to watch. And what's really sad about it is that Nate, uh, by all accounts, basically only trained for about four months and just kind of assumed that he was going to roll in and be fine. And uh, unfortunately for him, whichever Paul brother he fought, Uh, has no life other than making YouTube videos. And so he probably got a lot of time to train and the results speak for themselves. I do think that it would be a different story with Glenn Davis in the ring. And I really hope that big baby can come in and put this twerp in his place.
1: Yeah, um, I'm gonna just be honest with uh, the good weather in Boston. I had several safe outdoor Thanksgiving obligations this weekend, thankfully. Um, so I had no idea that this fight was even happening um, and really pieced it together in real time on Twitter. And, yeah, it just broke my heart. Um, Not because they're both short Celtics role players, but the joy that I felt when Eddie House in the last game of the season broke the three point percent record for the Celtics and then fouled someone to sub himself out, that joy that I felt, the exact opposite feeling I felt seeing Nate Robinson um, in that situation.
0: I will say that Jake Paul was much more respectful than I expected him to be after the fight. And I will also say that uh, Nate is one hell of a dude to be jumping in the chat after the fight and making jokes at his own expense and just taking it, you know, as the incredibly poor decision that it was for him. Um, I respect that. I, I hope they don't actually do this again anytime soon um just because of the fact that there was a a moment i think uh for those of us who did see it happen where it was a little scary and you know these professional athletes who are not boxers stepping into it with you know no real training uh no headgear or anything like that that made me a little nervous to be completely honest and he was he wasn't just knocked out he was out like not moving non-responsive the kind of thing where if it's a basketball game, everyone's like, (gasps) yeah, you know, and without getting into the whole discussion of boxing as entertainment, uh, but you know, concussions are bad in sport thing. um, It just made me very uncomfortable and I'm glad that everyone walked away basically intact.
1: This is why we need the big three tournament so that um, former NBA players can continue to play basketball and not, do whatever the hell that was. <laughs> yeah.
2: Who do you think would be the best and former NBA player to have in a fight in an, in an actual boxing match? Like mm-hmm. size-wise or? Just just would be
1: most likely to win. Ricky Davis.
2: Mm.
1: He would I, be <laughs> feisty and, and he would do things you wouldn't expect. I think you have
2: to go with the, the record and the footage, the tape that we have. I just, I don't see any way that Ron Artest would lose that fight. <laughs> hey, Artest, formerly known as Ron, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: anything to plug before we get out of here? Mm. Uh, if you are still confused about the TPE, uh, go to CelticsHub.com and I'll sort you out.
2: Uh, I have a piece coming up for OTG should be in the next couple of days. It's just recapping a lot of the stuff that we talked about on this pod already. My thoughts on the Celtics free agency decisions and kind of where they can go from here.
0: And of course you can always find me, try to find something to talk about now that there is nothing left coming in in terms of, well, at least nothing that we expect uh, in terms of free agency trades and all that good stuff at the Celtics wire. You can well, find when, this pod.
1: Go ahead. Justin, when does this drop? Tomorrow, Tuesday?
0: The pod? Uh, I think I'm going to edit it tonight. We'll see uh, how I feel, but at the very least, it'll be out tomorrow on Tuesday.
1: So, for folks listening to this on Tuesday, December 1st, that means two weeks until a televised preseason Celtics game. That's
0: true.
2: Yeah.
1: Only we'll two.
0: Get- I am not happy. I guess I had to deal with it.
2: Well, we'll get to watch Carson Edwards hit nine threes and then probably never be seen again. So get excited. <laughs> <Is that laughs> <Yeah>. a threat? <laughs> Fair. Well,
0: as always, you can find the pod on most podcatcher apps. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, you know what to do. Uh, if you don't like something, hopefully you also know what to do. But if you don't, because you're new, please just let us know with a comment on Twitter and an article, or I don't know, rent a plane and get some cloud writing up there. Whatever whatever does it for you. Uh, use the hashtag CLPOD. I'm trying to bring you the deepest dives Celtics.
2: Happy birthday, Grand.